they've got themselves in a tricky situation because everybody else has pretty much bailed out and Apple has stayed there. And now they're becoming the focus of the Chinese government's attention. And, you know, this could be not a good thing for Apple in the long run. Right. And I think that's why, as these years have gone by, you've seen Tim Cook trying to find, if not an out, um, sort of an alternative. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, October 27th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Silicon Valley. My name is Mike Malone. I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Before we begin, I promise you some big news, big changes this week. Unfortunately, it's still in the works. Details, details, but you're about to see a new location and, and a new sponsor and even a new opening. So you won't have to listen to these terrible ones by me from now on. So, okay, Scott, so you're on the road. I think you said you were at the Stanford Linear Accelerator or, yeah, okay. Looking at a mile long building. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to it real quickly because I know you got to get on another story. <clears throat> It was quarterly earnings week, okay, with very mixed results. Uh, first, the good news. Meta Facebook saw the largest jump in quarterly revenue since it went public more than 10 years ago, and the largest increase, 23%, up to $34 billion year-over-year uh, year since 2021. It looks like the year of efficiency is working. You cut back on the overhead and you keep your sales growing. Good stuff. I mean, their stock went down Thursday because of reports, warnings about the Israeli-Palestinian war, but they look in better shape than any other company in the Valley right now. Yeah, you know, especially for a company uh, in the social media world and doing what Meta is doing, and it should be said, spending what Meta is continuing to spend on the metaverse. I have a feeling that's one of the reasons investors aren't, you know, at least for a day that happy with the company, but they continue to be a cash generation machine and they yeah. continue to bring in a lot of people, um, you know, obviously not just on Facebook, we're talking Instagram, we're talking WhatsApp, and uh, they're still really, really valuable franchises there. Meanwhile, uh, the other big winner was Microsoft and uh, they saw record profits of 22 billion, most of it from the Azure cloud computing unit. And it sounds like Azure is stealing revenues from all the other cloud companies because the bad news is if Microsoft Cloud was up, up Google's cloud meet predictions. Uh, and it drags Google's stock down almost 10% uh, in the middle of last of this week. And that combined with weak numbers from Amazon, also cloud, NVIDIA, and Block drove the NASDAQ down towards what's called a correction level, which I guess is when that little switch goes and everybody says, okay, the expansion's off, contraction time, time to sell. Uh, and that would mean if that is actually true, if that correction does occur, it'll be the end of what was a very interesting and long rally that lasted most of this year. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for cloud 
revenue, you know, um, it's a really, really big thing that I think has to be focused on. Obviously, Microsoft did a good job. Uh, you know, Google came up a bit short. Amazon, which really all but created the category in the modern era. I mean, it's their category. Yeah, um, and, and they'll they'll do fine. But it's interesting how Microsoft and Google, which have been seen as competing for AI uh, supremacy, uh, also in the search world with Bing going against Google, and now they've got this uh, this fight over cloud uh, clients, and um, and that was you know that really affected the different ways that their stock moved after this earnings report. So you think this is a classic Valley shakeout? That you had a bunch of big companies jumping into a market. They all did well for a while, but now winners are starting to appear? Or did I mean, Microsoft just price bomb the market to keep the other guys back? Yeah, I, I don't know because like Amazon has been in there for a long time doing really well with its cloud uh, services. And this was a company obviously not known for that originally. So I think this is a long-term play, but it'll be interesting to see not only what these big companies do, but where the drop boxes and boxes and even sales forces of the world sort of shake out with their cloud offerings um, because it's a big pie as we've learned, but is it big enough to sustain all of those companies' bottom lines? I don't know. Okay, so meanwhile, Apple, which we've only been talking about products lately. And they pretty much stayed above the fray through all this stuff. But now it looks like they're they're showing a weak spot, which is where we all kind of knew it was, which is China. Uh, we got Foxconn, which is Taiwan, but they have a multitude of factories in China building Apple equipment. And they're now getting investigated by the Chinese government. Uh, Reportedly over land use, but in China it could be political reasons too. That uh, that there might be a backlash in China against Apple. I mean, they're making it illegal to use Apple equipment in certain locations. You can't be a government employee and use Apple stuff supposedly on security reasons. But that's going to create. So it concerns if Foxconn gets wrapped up in some Chinese shut down your factories kind of thing, that could be a mess for Apple. And then we saw another company called Luxshare Precision, which I've never heard of. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but apparently they're a key manufacturer of uh, Airbuds, the Apple Watch, and the new iPhone Pro Max, the titanium one, to the point that Tim Cook made a surprise visit there to talk to him. It sounds like he's trying to shore up his supply chain in China, even as he's trying to slowly back Apple out of China and trying to do so without making Chairman Z upset in any way. I mean, it's they've got themselves in a tricky situation because everybody else has pretty much bailed out and Apple has stayed there. And now they're becoming the focus of the Chinese government's attention. And, you know, this could be not a good thing for Apple in the long run. Right. And I think that's why, as these years have gone by, you've seen Tim Cook trying to find, if not an out, um, sort of an alternative uh, when it comes to manufacturing, even talking about manufacturing some Apple products back here in the U.S. And I predict that although Tim Cook is clearly playing the long game and, and you really have to with China anyway, 
um, that we're going to hear more uh, noise from Apple about maybe manufacturing here, not to mention in, in some other countries, because that area is so um, fraught politically. And, and that's something that Cook and Apple don't want to obviously uh, affect their reputation. Now, I know why he doesn't want to leave. I mean, Foxconn and this other company apparently really understand what Apple wants, and they're doing a really good job. And to pack up and move to Vietnam or Malaysia or Texas uh, could cause a real breakdown in Apple's production. So I can see why he doesn't want to do it, but I have a feeling he's going to have to at some point very soon. Yeah, I mean, Foxconn is getting a lot of pressure, and that's affecting a lot of manufacturers, uh, a lot of companies that rely on manufacturing, excuse me, from here in the U.S. and elsewhere. And I wonder, because, again, it's it's based there. We don't really know what goes on there behind the scenes, if it would behoove companies like Apple and others to have sort of that exit strategy, that alternative uh, means of production, because as they learn during the COVID shutdowns, uh, those shutdowns were really shut down. Everyone stay home. Nothing gets manufactured kind of thing. And yeah. that's something, you know, these big companies hadn't had to deal with before. Okay. So in other Apple news, I th I'm sure you saw this. Bob Grove sent it to me to remind me. John Stewart pulled the plug on his uh, Apple TV show, the, the problem with John Stewart. Apparently he pulled it because he was being told that he had to toe the line more regarding his comments on China and on artificial intelligence. Well, now that's kind of a surprise coming from Apple. I mean, are they really feeling like they have to toe the line that much to not, you know, infuriate the Chinese authorities? I, I don't know. Unfortunately, when reached for comment, Apple did not. So we don't yeah. know what they're thinking, unfortunately, because this is... Uh, it goes with the, the previous thing you just said. I mean, how committed are they to China? How needed uh, is Foxconn to Apple? And is it too early for Apple to have that exit strategy? And do they still need to please uh, the government there? And these are all things that can compromise how they're seen. And that's something that Apple really doesn't want to happen. Yeah, and I'm old enough to remember, what, two years ago, when uh, getting John Stewart was a big get for Apple, that was a coup, and that and it was one of their flagship productions, uh, and now they let it go that easily. And of course, Apple responded to doing that by raising its subscription fee for Apple TV forty percent to uh, what is it eight nine ninety nine a month? Interesting pricing move. Well, that goes, I think, to that streaming thing. You know, we talked about this last week where streaming is just so expensive for these companies. And, you know, when Netflix does something, other companies follow because Netflix is the one that has really made it work for years and years. Uh, okay, uh, this is interesting. As the owner of a Tesla yourself, I think you're sitting in one right now, aren't you? Uh, there seems to be growing inventory, uh, growing inventories and slowing sales in the EV business. All of a sudden, uh, a number of companies are starting to back off on their long-term plans. Uh, interestingly, the biggest one was GM's Mary Barra, who's always been really hawkish on uh, electric vehicles and been very bullish. And now she's saying that, ooh, you know, 
there may be some problems. The company announced that its quarter results said it's abandoning its target to build 100,000 EVs in the second half of the year and another 400,000 in the first six months of 2024. We're hearing the same thing from Mercedes-Benz, that it's a tough market out there. Uh, what do you think? I mean, is a bloom off the rose? I, I mean, it can't be because we have to get to these eventual goals. But I think you said it. It's a tough market out there. These companies are not doing all that well with their EV offerings. They're just not. Um, and even when you see something from, you know, even GM uh, with the Bolt, they sort of pull back on it. You know, VW has one other sort of pulling back on that. And I, I just it seems that at some point. Um, you have to look back to the Tesla model, which is to go all in, lose a boatload of money, largely the government's money, yes. and then stay all in and then eventually convince people this is the way to go. And it's just, you know, we're in a little bubble here in the Bay Area where we see Teslas everywhere all the time. And that's great. And with the price cuts, they're, you know, reasonable to a lot of families now. That's that's great. You're clean, you know no emissions, blah, blah, blah. But we need to go so much further with so many different cars. And these companies are not all in. They're not yet willing to, you know, skirt bankruptcy, obviously, as Tesla was. And it seems like that's the way to EV success. Um, and it's it's not going to be an easy road for any of these companies. But they, I think, if you look at some of the mandates, not only via the state, but by the, the USA, They've got to get their EV acts together eventually. Yeah. Uh, as a, as an anecdote, I was driving to get coffee with one of my sons uh, a couple of days ago. And he said, look, there's four white Teslas in a row. It seems like there's white Teslas have slowly taken over all of Silicon Valley. Um so it is this one of these things where it was going to be the next big thing enthusiast jumped on the bandwagon and they just overcommitted that this is not going to be an explosive mass acceptance like i don't know the the iphone this, this is going to be a, a slow and but continuous rise in demand that's going to going to go on for 30 years until it saturates that may be the case because it's certainly a more expensive commitment than an iphone um <laughs> and something that uh you know, isn't just a shiny thing. Like if you have, you know, a certain amount of money, you can afford the next iPhone. Cars are are different. You people keep them for longer, et cetera. Um, but we we do want to get there by what, 2035. And so I think eventually you're going to see you need to see a ramp up. But it's really largely up to these companies to prove to their customers, whether you're a long-term Volvo customer or GM customer or whatever, that EV is the way to go. And look, if $7 gas prices in California didn't convince everybody that, whoa, there is a less expensive way to go, I don't know what will. Uh, and so eventually, you know, these companies need to come up with maybe it's better pricing. They just need to bite the bullet and figure out how to get these cars on the road. I would add that they need to come up with better batteries. That you give me a 500-mile Tesla or vault five miles my mind 
I think I would, I think I'd bite the bullet and spend the extra money to get one if I could drive from here to LA. Uh, and that seems to be a barrier to a lot of people, especially in California, but also in the Midwest, you know, because the realistic thing is depending upon the weather, you're not going to get that 350 or whatever is advertised. But if you could get a, a secure 500 miles on a charge, I think these things would be selling like hotcakes. They're already selling like little hotcakes. I mean, that they would really sell if that were to occur. That would be the revolution, I think. And that's a, that's a physics problem, not a car problem. Right. And that's why it's encouraging that not only do you have car manufacturers working on this, but you actually have battery makers. Like that has become a company genre now is EV batteries and how that's they the grail. that's the grail right right and and maybe that's you know where the the play is i mean remember when dot com got big it was sun and cisco and you know the the sort of tool makers and and as the evs you know revolution needs to take off uh maybe it's the battery makers that make the difference and so um i suspect we'll see more of them uh trying to convince the car companies that they're the way to go okay uh Speaking of the guy, you don't have Tesla as long as anybody I know. Would you buy another one? Yeah, I mean, I would buy another EV. I'm I'm done with gas, um, yeah. and it's been five years now uh, where I haven't had to get gas, and that has been not only a good feeling. The reason I went in was not economical. It was, you know, uh, climate. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was for the climate. Um, but I've saved a ton of money uh, by not fueling up all these years. My you know, we, we did this both in our households. Uh, we got EVs and uh, now our friends think we're financial geniuses, but that's not why we did it. Uh, we did it purely for climate, but energy is so far at least a lot cheaper to, uh, you know, charge up than to fuel up. But obviously there's a time commitment and you have to watch your range a little more closely. But uh, it's been it's been pretty easy for the most part. And I'm still someone who, you know, for a lot of those five years, uh, you know, we were in charge of driving kids around. So you really do have to plan this out, but it can be done. And um, you're right, it can be done, but it would be better to be done with a 500 mile range. I'll tell you that. Do you laugh? You still laugh raucously when you drive by gas stations with those high numbers? No, I mean, poor fools with internal combustion. No, I mean, look, I drove internal combustion for many, many years, and um, I am just surprised at the slow pace of these energy companies to embrace electric. Um, you know, they talk a good game, but if these oil companies and gas companies really wanted to step up their game, they would install chargers where their gas stations are, and it would be that convenient. And they haven't done that. So it, it's still a bit of a challenge, especially if you're outside of our little bubble where everywhere you look, there's a charger. Um, and that needs to change, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I get, a I get a lot, I've told you this before, I get all those real estate flyers from all the real estate agents around here, listing prices, list prices and sale prices. I've been going to notice two things. Housing prices are almost back to where they were before, and they're still selling over list, like $100,000 or $200,000 over list. Is it all back now? Well, no, it really depends where you're looking. All, we, I mean, we all caught our breath around here and said, wow, housing prices are, you know, they're finally affordable. 
and that was for like three weeks. And now it's now they're wildly priced again and climbing. Is it going to keep climbing? Do you think? It may look the the issue is right now scarcity brought upon largely by high interest rates, which lead to high mortgage rates, which lead to not only buyers being freaked out at what their monthly payment would be, but even sellers who would say, well, if I sell now, I, I no longer have a 3% mortgage, I've got an 8% mortgage and that freaks them out. So it's high pricing artificially because there's so little inventory. People that do sell tell me they've got multiple offers again because there's so little inventory. And so that's really what needs to happen. We need more housing on the market. We need the market to loosen up. Then you'll see more action. And that's why prices have stayed so high. Um, it's supply and demand without the supply, really. Yeah. Everybody's standing pat on their 3% mortgage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, finally, in the Google antitrust... Oh, by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried's going to testify, which ought to be interesting. Um in the Google trial, antitrust trial, the company's search engine lead, a guy nicknamed Grandpa Google, uh, testified that young people now consider Google old-fashioned and out of style. You know, when you, if, as the years go by, you see this more and more. Something you finally get accustomed to in your life suddenly becomes passe because the kids give up on it. Is Google really out of style i'm not sure you have a lot of alternatives yet that could make it you still got to use it i mean it's a verb um so is this a real threat to google that is, is this going to get my spaced i find that hard to believe it seems to me that google is basically a monopoly as much as they don't want to admit it and we and you got to go to a monopoly or you go to a second rate thing that's not as good an experience right and i think you're at the crux of what this case is about. I mean, Google is no longer a young, sexy startup. Obviously, it's a utility. But boy, is it a utility that everybody uses all the time. And is that monopolistic? That's what this case is about. YouTube is still, you know, a gigantic force. Just look at the revenues it, it still generates. Um, so, you know, if, if Google is found to be monopolistic and somehow has to give up some of these deals, like the one with Apple, uh, that would hurt its bottom billion line. A year. 18 billion a year. It's right. Of, I mean, it would both yeah. help and hurt its its bottom line. But right. I mean, it makes so much money through being the absolute dominant search engine that it doesn't really matter if it's cool. It's a utility yeah. that everybody uses. Um, but, you know, this happens to big companies. They get mature. They're no longer the the kid on the block. And um, and in but in Google's case, it's protected by a couple of things. And that is that so many people search on Google uh, and also YouTube, which still throws out a ton of cash. Don't you find yourself doing a search on another search engine? And then when you get the results, you go, I wonder if they got it all. I'll check Google. Uh, it's because you're absolutely right. And that has, that's what it's become. And that's how, you know, monopoly sometimes works. I don't want to, you know, jump ahead and say that Google is that, but that's what the case is about. And there's some evidence that, I mean, those numbers are just staggering. The percentage of search queries that go through Google every day, it's just amazing. Something's like a monopoly or a utility when you don't like the thing, but you still have to use it on, you know, 25 times a day. And I think that's the definition of Google. 
Okay, well, let's get you off to your story. That's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. I just heard from one of our longest and most loyal listeners who told me that, oh, I didn't know you were on YouTube. She had just discovered that after low these many years. Uh, so everybody have a happy Halloween, trick or treat, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>